Welcome to IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. IFA Talk is for professional investors only. Thank you. Thanks very much for joining us for the latest episode of IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast, where we talk to people who matter about the things that matter in the world of financial services. I'm Brandon Russell, online writer here at IFA Magazine, and joining me on the podcast this week is our editor, Sue Whitbread. Hello, everybody. It's Sue here. And today we're talking technology. It's something which has transformed not just what advisor businesses can do, but also how they do it. But, and it's a big but here, the digital age brings with it new threats, new risks to business that can be just a bit too easy for advisors and for wealth managers to overlook. So resilience is right at the core of our conversation today. And Brandon and I are really looking forward to our conversation with our guest. And it's Guy Warren. Guy is CEO at ITRS, a technology company which helps businesses to maintain operational resilience, but also to manage operational risk. And it's in this operational digital world that we live in, that's something very valuable. So Guy, welcome to IFA Talk. Thank you, Sue. Guy, it's great to meet you. Um, just to kick us off then, can you explain briefly to our listeners what exactly ITRS does, a bit about you and your role, as well as how and why ITRS can help financial advisors to build operational resilience? Sure. So ITRS are a software provider. We provide products to help people run their IT production estate, um, making sure that they're uh, achieving high resilience, that's high availability and high performance. We have a range of tools which can check uh, from, from outside the firewall, from uh, the, the internet basically, checking that your service is there, but also anything that any IT that you're running internally, check that the infrastructure and the applications are performing correctly. We'll get into a bit more detail. Uh, my role is chief exec. I've been here nine years. Well, the company's been in business for 24 odd years, I think now. Uh, and I was a customer of ITRS uh, in, in a previous life. I was the COO of FTSE, the index company. And we used ITRS's products to help manage our uh, index engines and our index production at the end of day. I've been around the, the IFA market for quite a while. Prior to um, FTSE, I was the uh, head of banking for Mysis, who owns Sesame, the uh, IFA network. Um, and prior to that, uh, I was um, head of banking for Unisys and provided the main mortgage systems to the building societies in the UK. Uh, and I've also worked at FNZ, the leading retail wealth administration platform used by the vast majority of providers in the UK and sold out through the IFA, IFA networks. So um, you know, I have a lot of overlap with financial services, retail wealth financial services in the UK market over the last 20 odd years. This operational resilience with a, a little O and a little R, what does it mean in plain English? It means um, that your um, services, particularly your IT services, are resilient against small glitches and problems that might occur. That if you have, you know, uh, a web server die, that there are multiple web servers and the, and the workload carries on. It's having a resilient. When it takes a knock, it recovers very quickly. It's just plain English resilience. But in the UK and increasingly across the world, there is regulation with a big O and a big R. Operational resilience is regulation from the FCA, which um, is defined in three ways. One is um, the availability of the services that you provide. You have to define major business services that you provide to your customer base. 
and you have to define what the service hours are. And when you don't meet those service hours, you need to report when you've breached your own service hours. So if it's supposed to be nine to five thirty, and you have an outage during the day, you need to report that. Um, the second is performance. So now they said, well, it's it's all very well saying that your service is up, but if logging on to a mobile banking application is supposed to take five seconds and it's taking 35 seconds, the majority of users will say it's not working, it's offline. So you actually have to state what the performance of those business services are and say that you're within your, your published SLA. So now performance and availability are being linked for the first time. And the third one is security, particularly cyber security. Um, which you have to uh, have a, a policy and stance in place and report breaches of uh, cybersecurity back to it. And they've taken it to the highest level of um, authority that they've got where they regulate individuals. They have a thing called a, an SMF, Senior Management Function 24, where at least the COO of an organization um, and probably the CIO will have to be regulated by the regulator and they personally pick up liability. Typically, they've only done this for things like client funds. Uh, I was a CF10A, which is a client fund uh, controller. We had access over uh, our, our client's money. And, and it's important that the regulator knows that you understand your responsibility and that you're reporting vulnerabilities and risks. The same is now true of IT. So at SMF24, they have to report vulnerabilities and weaknesses and what they're doing to mitigate them. This is to stop the business sort of overruling, saying, oh, we can't afford it. That's not a valid excuse anymore. If it is a vulnerability, you have to fix it. And that is the cost of doing business. And that comes before your P&L. So they have to do it that way around, like they do with CF10A. Guy, you mentioned cybersecurity there, and I, I must confess that as a baby boomer myself, I'm not exactly a natural when it comes to engaging with technology, as Brandon will, will vouch for. But cybersecurity is something that really bothers me a lot. And I'm guessing it's something that you're going to say that advisors and wealth managers should take really seriously. Yeah. And I wondered, yeah. therefore, if so, what would be the main risks that they would face in that area? Yeah, they do have to take it seriously. Um, when you do get hit, it's it's more than just um, the reputational damage because clearly it's become public that you've had a problem. It goes to the regulator. Um, there, your supply chain will be very nervous. So you you know you're, you're representing a number of financial institutions behind you. Um, there are fines, there are liabilities. It, it is a very, very damaging when it happens, particularly to a financially regulated uh, entity. But it, it, and you know, it, it is it is very severe when it happens, and the cost of getting out of it, whether it's a ransomware or whatever, can be very high, higher than your turnover probably in a year, which you just don't want that. The main vulnerabilities actually are probably I would call them point attacks. So the most common is probably phishing, which is where you're sent an email that you think is from someone that you think you know who they are, and it's not. They're pretending to be someone else, um, and they're convincing enough that you're prepared to take some action that you shouldn't take. They we're all told, don't open attachments in emails, um, but it can be as you know, really, really subtle things now, um, which will take a good, honest employee and make them do something that they don't wish to do. And they are incredibly skillful at looking like someone you'd be expecting to get an email from. So you have to be very diligent. There is tooling that you can deploy to try and detect those and, and they will scan the email for things you can't see. Um, but ultimately you have to educate all your employees and probably test them 
on how easily are they spoofed into trying to give up some credentials and information they shouldn't be giving up. We've run, we run internally, we run uh, dry tests without warning our employees and we see how many actually start to give information back as it happens to our IT director, but they don't know that. So email, phishing attacks, I would say your first and worst uh, uh, line of attack. Secondly is your website, which is absolutely critical now for business transactions. Um, that should be, that will be attacked. That's probably already being attacked multiple times uh, a month. And you can you know, make sure you've got the best security settings you can. There are companies who will come and do pen testing, penetration testing to see if any uh, configuration or loopholes have been left open that can be exploited. Um, there's a, what's called black box and white box. Black boxes, they don't get to see how your website's set up. They just try and do it from the outside as a hacker would. White boxes, you tell them exactly how everything is set up and they will try and rip it apart knowing the likely potential vulnerabilities it's got. But you, you should do that you know, a couple of times a year, a full pen test, pay, pay a third party to come and try and take your website down or get access to servers or databases they shouldn't get access to. Um, there are other areas. Um, we've increased what they call the surface area of attack. So surface area is how many places can I get to your IT? Obviously the, the laptops and computers in the office were the original surface area, but since COVID and working remotely, People may be working from their personal device at home, which may not carry the same endpoint protection software that their work computer does. Um, so you've now got more computers to worry about, more IP addresses the attack could be coming from. They may look like an employee working from home, but they're actually uh, a bad agent, a bad, bad actor attacking you. Um, we increasingly move from our own data centers to the cloud. Have we locked down our cloud credentials? Have we made it secure the way we've configured the cloud? And could someone uh, attempt to get into your tenancy and get to your data you're storing in the cloud, uh, whether that's a shared drive or, you know, full Amazon um, uh, environments. So we've made it harder for ourselves because we now have more uh, service area to try and lock down and protect. Uh, and then there are the, if you're running significant business systems, um, there are the uh, ransomware attacks where criminals try to get onto your network and then encrypt a bunch of your computers and will only give you access back to your own data if you pay a fine or a ransom. Um, and those are you know, very difficult to get out of. You, you're back to how good are your backup and restores and can you get the uh, ransomware out and do a restore and if so, in what time? So unfortunately, there are many ways in and um, you, you have to be high, you know, very vigilant and probably you need multiple uh, security tools which overlap each other, therefore are, are somewhat wasteful, but you stand a better chance of catching, particularly phishing attacks. We have two or three pieces of software protecting our inbound email and we catch over 2000 emails a month, which um, you know, would otherwise have had uh, bad, bad impact on our employees. Ooh, wow, that's a lot. Yeah. I've only got 300 employees, 2,000 a month, and I've got 300, well, 350 employees. It, it, it's incessant. And they pick up on a company, someone who manages money, you're going to be a target. You know, of all the people, companies like an attack, it's not going to be the guy who mends my shoes. It's not. It's going to be people who have millions or tens of millions or hundreds of millions of, of assets. And if you can spoof someone, they can easily move 10, 50, 100,000. I had a very nasty one, actually, an insidious one where... Um, an iPad, um, I was uh, changing iPads for a newer model. 
I wiped it using reset factory settings and I sold it on a website. And then lo and behold, my work email had a rule inserted in it where anything saying invoice was forwarded to another email address, which then edited the invoice with a different bank code and was sent back to me. And they actually managed to get a, a, a very large invoice routed through to their uh, spoof bank account. They got 45,000 uh, pounds stolen from my company. And uh, we managed to get it locked down by the City of London Police. We detected it. And I found out that an iPad can be restored even if you've wiped it using reset factory settings. Um, and once it was restored, my log on back into my work email was there, which we had to change all that out as well, as you can imagine. So you have to assume that nothing is safe. And, and even devices like mobile phones and iPads are part of the surface attack. I'd put my, I'd got rid of mine, what I thought perfectly safely. It wasn't perfectly safely. Gosh, that's really interesting. That if it can happen to you, Guy, then yep. I, I am obviously right in that this is something that should bother me. You are listening to IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. Subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to be notified as soon as a new episode becomes available. And follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram at IFA Magazine. So what would you say are some of the key things advisors can and they should do to bolster their firm's cybersecurity systems? Is there a quick fix or is it more of a whole plan? Um, it's, it's a bit like... Um securing your house unfortunately you can't put five locks on the front door and leave the side window with a simple latch on it it's about improving the security stance across the whole company um i would recommend that your it director takes as much training on um on CISA, they call it on you know a chief information security officer and learns about all the risk factors it's a relatively uncommon thing compared to an it problem or outage but when it goes wrong, it's horrible. So it's unfortunately one of those things where you have to waste a lot of time and money to make sure that you never have that bad day. And even then something will, will probably try and get through. And you have to cover it on all fronts. You, you cannot assume that uh, having a secure website is sufficient if your phishing policy is weak or you know, that you will never be hit by ransomware and what your recovery plan will be at a ransomware. You, know, you just have to assume all the things, we call it a risk register, you put right down the risk register of all the things that could go wrong, both from an operational point of view and from a security point of view. And then you make sure you are taking some sensible measure to try and improve each of those to the best that you can afford with the time and money you've got available. And that risk register should be visible to the board. Um, it's you've got the operational risk and you've got the cybersecurity risk. And have I put enough money and time to training all the employees to doing pen tests twice a year to doing a spoof run on phishing attacks and you know this this is unnecessary this is now necessary in, in our industry you mentioned there guy about resilience and i guess resilience comes in many ways doesn't it and i'm thinking here about younger generations having a really different relationship to technology than perhaps those of my generation uh, but are advisors and wealth managers missing a trick in terms of how they use technology to meet the demands of this new generation of clients which are coming down the line? Um, well, that's a broader question. Uh, I think that people's relationship with their money and their wealth has definitely changed. I'm, I'm in my 60s, I've got children in their 30s, and their number of bank accounts that they have compared to the number I have, the, the way they view being able to see their money all the time in real time where I get a monthly statement, you know, the, it is definitely very different. They want it online now, 
They expect to have multiple um, uh, providers. They would like a consolidated view rather than to click through 10 apps. The open banking uh, initiative has allowed you, know, you to choose your favorite provider can get data from the other uh, people who are storing it. Um, so yeah, the relationship is, is very different for a 25 year old compared to a 50 year old compared to a 75 year old. You, some are creating wealth, some are consuming wealth and their relationship with technology varies a great deal as well. Uh, therefore, the amount of IT you have to have um, as an IFA is almost certainly increasing significantly as you try and attract people in their you know, 20s, 30s, starting to build pensions, starting to build personal wealth, um, but wanting to, to consume it not in a monthly statement, which worked fine five years ago, 10 years ago. And now they're saying, no, I, I need it online. You know, I, I check my, my statements on my phone. Why are you sending me a piece of paper? Or why even you getting me to download it from a website? I'm not, I'm not bringing a PDF down. I'm not. I haven't got time. So, yeah, there is undoubtedly um, a need to bring more services now and from a wide variety of, of providers. Uh, and that, of course, increases the chance of, of um, risk. So uh, if, if you got access to someone's credentials, you would um, immediately have access to all the bank accounts they've linked together if they've gone with that approach with the uh, consolidator bank account. And if they've got all of their statements available um, and, and transactions available, you've got access to all their information straight away. You haven't got a lot of fishing to do to go and get the last month's statements, et cetera. So we've made it so it's more convenient for the general public. We've made it easier for the hacker. It's inevitable, you can't, you can't avoid it. Uh, so all the more reason to be really sure. Um, I've even noticed on my credit card provider, they've increased the two-factor authentication in theory uh, I can go up to £100 with contactless, but increasingly above £50, it lasts for my PIN, which I, I'm fine with. You know, £100 contactless is quite a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So, and, they, and it was actually John Lewis, but they switched provider to have a higher, they were obviously getting too much fraud on cards, and they switched to a more secure two-factor authentication more of the time. I almost always now have to put in the one-time code uh, on, on a website transaction, even at a very nominal amount. And I'm fine with that. It, we've made it easier and easier for the consumer, which has made it easier and easier for the criminal. And I'm afraid we're having to back it out the other way. Give me your PIN code. Give me a, a two-factor authentication. You know, and I increasing on in fact on everything because I have been hacked off the back of that iPad attack. I have everything on two-factor authentication, so my password does not get you in. It just sends me a message through one of the two-factor means that says you've just changed your Google Mail. No, I haven't. Block it. So, you know, it, it is absolutely necessary that we continue to increase security and which is more of a burden for the end user, but it's absolutely necessary because it, too much is online for criminals. Okay, one last little question to throw in. We hear lots on the national news, don't we, about some of the big cases of, of attacks, whether it's British Airways or whatever. Uh, but equally, smaller firms, and many of our listeners today will be in smaller firms, are just as susceptible to these. You don't have to be a big firm, do you? No. Well, I, I've already owned up to it. I wonder if I, I, wonder if I should have done. You know, we, we, were, attacked, <laughs> we were attacked via an iPad. Um, I, didn't, I didn't think I'd done anything wrong. I'm pretty, you know, tech aware. Um, but my company was attacked and we're, no one knows of our company in the UK. We're a global company, software company. Uh, but obviously someone thought it was worth getting into my 
life and into my job and getting into my work email and inserting a rule around invoices. And indeed it was. And, and luckily they were too slow to close out the bank account and, and uh, City of London police are set up for this and they can freeze a bank account pretty much instantly and we got the money back. So no, I'm afraid it doesn't matter how small you think you are or how anonymous you think you are, you're not to them. There are thousands, tens of thousands of people out there doing that all across the world. They do not have to be a UK based team. Um, they are very organized and they train, hire and train people to do this on a rote basis. You, you're just a name in a book and they pick you up and they see if they can get in. And it's a bit like a burglar wandering down the street. You know, he's going to look for the one that looks like it's easy to break into. Um, it, it, you just need to be weaker than your um, colleagues and then you're the one they'll spend time trying to break into. So if your website doesn't look strong or emails are too easy to get responses back, then they know that this is a, a shop where they can have a, a fun time. That's the, that famous saying about the, uh, the, the hunter in Africa when a lion comes rushing towards him and uh, the guy with him says, uh, you're not gonna outrun the lion. He says, I don't need to, I just need to outrun you. <laughs> same, the same, you cannot be the weakest IFA. If you're the weakest IFA, that's where the criminals are coming. Before we just sign off for today, any quick tips for people who are listening today, what you think they really should do? Having listened today, if they're a little bit concerned about whether they've got the right systems in place, what should they do? Yeah, I mean, the, the operational resilience, big O, big R, might seem like uh, a horrible burden of more regulation that you really didn't need. But I would say it's actually very good and sensible prudence to treat it seriously. We detected a 30% increase in cyber attacks from the beginning of COVID to the end of COVID. So people knew that more people were remote and it was easier to attack. Um, a 30% increase, that's, that's massive in two years. So assume it's going on and assume you don't know where they're attacking. And in order to be compliant with the regulation, you're actually just making your business a nice, safe, responsible, secure business so that you can sleep at night and then you can show the regulator, yes, I do take it seriously, yes, I am. It, it could feel like a regulatory burden, but this is not one like that. If it goes wrong on you, it's it's not worth the pain. No, there's some some very good tips there. Guys, thank you very much. That's That conversation has just sped by today and we're going to have to wrap it up there. But I must thank you very much for taking the time to join us today and share your expertise with us and for fessing up to the fact that you've been hit yourself as well. Yeah. Uh, we really do appreciate it. And, and thanks to all our listeners for listening in as well. We hope that you found it as interesting as we did. Thank you. Thank you, Sue. Thank you, Brother. IFA Talk is for investment professionals only. All material has been carefully checked for accuracy, but no responsibility can be accepted for inaccuracies. Whatever appropriate, independent research and whatever necessary legal advice should be sought before acting on any information contained in this podcast. And value of investments and income from them can go down as well as up. You may not get back the amount you originally invested.